Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we have Josh Barlow back with us. Last night, did an emergency edition of the pod. This Without man me. was working, so we got Michael Coe on, who, by the way, was tremendous. I want to hammer that home again. He was outstanding. Really appreciate him being uh, as responsive as he was, as quickly as he was to be able to come on and uh, help us talk about some really huge storylines around Tar Heel football. And we're going to talk about those yet again today. Uh, Josh is here with us. But also, we're going to talk about what Carolina does to sort of replace some of the guys that they lost yesterday, both on the coaching side of things and on the roster side of things. Now, we will start with the guy that is not leaving, and that's Drake May. He announced yesterday he is, in fact, staying with Carolina. He will be here for the 2023 season. And this is good news because I think this was everybody's first thought after we saw the Phil Longo news was what is going to happen with Drake May. I I was just on, I did an interview with a radio station up in Green Bay, and... Uh, the guy that I was on with, he he said to me, he said the initial thought from a lot of Wisconsin fans when the news broke about Phil Longo is, can we get Drake May here? And Drake came out and put all of those rumors to bed officially, um, posting a video online with the caption, I'm not going anywhere. Chapel Hill is where I need to be. I, I, I think this is... As important of a retention from the Tar Heels as it gets this offseason. They needed their star quarterback to be here because it affects so many different things, and getting him back is absolutely massive. It's the biggest decision made by anyone in the program since they hired Mac Brown. It's really just that simple. Because had he left, and, and yesterday, 
when all the news broke and I sent out my initial tweet. Had he left, you couldn't really blame the kid. You got roasted for this tweet, yeah, by the which way, by which I thought I thought there was no reason because you you weren't lying. Yeah, like, no, if he to, leaves, to, to yeah. these people that think that that didn't think that he, there was a potential of him to leave. If he had to put out an announcement that he was staying, then that confirms that there was a thought or a belief that he could go. And well, this is also unfortunately this is the new age of college football. Was, you will see so many there was guys a chance doing he could this. Leave. Oh yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you, but and, I think also prepare yourselves for these graphics for guys saying that they are staying. It's going to become more and more common. And honestly, there will be times where you will see guys that will put them out and you'll be like, did you really need to confirm to us that you weren't entering the portal? Or okay. I mean, look, there's still some guys on this roster that need to enter the portal that need to go get out of the program. Oh, wow. Okay. Drake May isn't one of those guys. And had he left, it would have been it have been really, really hard. But I'd come around to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't blame him had he left. You look at the state of the program and the future of the program going into next year, probably not going to compete for an ACC title. That means you're not going to compete for a college football playoff berth. But the things that we believe that makes this university special are what uh, I think is the biggest reason why he's staying is the fact that he is a Carolina kid. He was born, he was bred, and he will die a Tar Heel. That means something to him. And this is only going to further his legacy as Carolina's quarterback, no matter what happens in the bowl game, no matter what happens next year. The fact that he stayed at a point in time where this program was at another divided crossroads and he could have left is going to do wonders. It won over so many fans yesterday mm-hmm. because no one could have blamed him had he left. And he's, he's going to stay. He's going to stick it out, not knowing what the future holds. And in the era today where athletes and kids are – they're not tough enough to, to stay when the going gets tough, I, 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 I totally commend him. And the hope and prayer is is that Mac Brown finds a way to retool his coaching staff, reload this roster with talent, and that the Tar Heels are back in – back in the ACC title game next December and having a chance to play for a conference championship because he gives you the opportunity. Had he decided to go into the portal and go get more NIL money and go to a better program to further cement himself as a NFL draft prospect next year, Carolina was looking for a very bleak outlook for next year. And it could have probably yep. been the yep. death signal of Mac Brown's second tenure here in Chapel Hill. Well, with, with Drake May things there's still reason to have hope and as lifelong Tar Heel football fans that's the one thing we hold on to and we still have that today yeah you're you're you've got a guy now that I think we all know is a special quarterback no matter what anybody else wants to tell you because of his finish to the season this dude is he is a guy that took what Sam Howell did and really took a step further um, even though the the stats at the end of the season may ultimately not prove that, um, I, I still think I mean he, he he still leads the country in in total yards, um, this season. I mean it's it is unbelievable just how much success he has had. But I, I think you're, you're right. Just the overall mindset around this program, 
And it's so, right now, in this era of college football, it is so important how people view you. When you're trying to go out into the transfer portal to get guys, especially right now with you not having an offensive coordinator, you you have to have something that attracts people to Carolina. And I think that does that not only in the portal, but when you talk about finding Phil Longo's replacement, how much harder would that be if Drake May did not decide to return. I, what are you selling to people? That you have had successful offenses in the past? Because we don't, we, we ultimately don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the quarterbacks that are on this roster. They were guys that were recruited by Phil Longo. Are they wanting to follow him? We, you already you know lost Jacoby Criswell, which wasn't shocking. I think we all knew that was going to happen. But is Connor Harrell going to follow him? Is Tad Hudson going to follow him? We don't know. We have to wait and see. So it's ultimately, it's huge that Drake May stays in place. And now it sort of affects how you can go after offensive coordinators. And, you know, again, if you haven't heard yet, Phil Longo heading to Wisconsin, him and Jack McNeil Jr. following him to take the job on Luke Fickle's new staff. Phil Longo, apparently pretty good relationship with Phil uh, with Luke Fickle. Uh, it was something that was established throughout the last couple of years. Phil Longo actually did interview for the OC job with Cincinnati. Not sure when exactly that was. That was reported by Bruce Feldman yesterday, but... Phil Longo seems to have a connection to Luke Fickle, and he wonder what exactly happened in order for him to make this move. I, I, it, it's something we're going to have to wait to find out, but it's certainly, in my mind, it is a loss for Carolina football. I don't understand the mindset of the people that are basically acting like this is nothing but that seems to be, I'm not going to say overwhelming, but it's the fact that it's even 50-50 to me on people where they stood on Phil Longo just absolutely blows my mind. It's moronic. It's idiotic. And, and look, I know that this Tar Heel offense had issues in the red zone his four years he was here. I get that. And I know that's been probably the biggest criticism of his offenses. Look at the, look at the offensive firepower he put on the field. If Carolina did not score the way that they score, put up the yards that they put up, this would be a losing program without him. I mean, how much better than the 2017-2018 teams would this team actually be if they didn't have an offense that was that good? And so, you know, and I talked about this on air today. He deserves probably a lot more credit for the development of Sam Howell, the the production you saw from Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, Drake May, Josh Downs. Josh Downs. Yeah. He deserves a lot more credit than he's probably getting because this is getting right off of all. Those are great talented players. Well, the first four outside of Sam Howell that I listed, those were Larry Fedora recruits that he won with. That he he, he put those guys in the NFL. Dude, Javante Williams was a dude and look, it, Javante deserves a ton of credit himself. Javante Williams was a three-star prospect, a borderline two-star guy coming out of high school. He was a relative unknown, and he turned into one of the best running backs 
in all of college football his senior year. And, and so, like, if you're looking at— Or his at, final year, excuse me. If you're looking at the stats, if you're looking at the production, you're looking at the player development, this is a massive loss for Mac Brown and this Tar Heel program. The good news is, is that because Drake May has announced that he's going to come back— Virtually any coordinator with the mind would be interested in coaching a talent that is Drake May. With this, the, with this though, it puts the pressure on Mac Brown to get the higher right for a second consecutive time. And if you go back and you look at it, unless you're a historical program like Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, USC, the list goes on and on, it's really hard to do that. And you can look at Larry Fedora. Once he started losing members from his staff, after Carolina won 19 games in two years, he really struggled to replace the level of coaching on his roster. You mix in some bad talent, and you win five games in two years, and he got fired. And so that's going to be the challenge for Mac is to make sure he gets this right. The good news is, is that the guy that was his top candidate the first time, Graham Harrell, he's the OC at West Virginia. He's probably going to be willing to leave West Virginia for North Carolina because he's going to be with out of a job probably next year unless Neil Brown gets that program turned around. There will be some other high-profile court, you know, quarterback coaches, coordinators that would be willing to come to Chapel Hill, but make no mistake about it, if Mac Brown doesn't get this hire right and in two to three years he's out of Chapel Hill, this would be a this would be a, a a decision that you look back on and say that was where it really started to go downhill for Mac Brown and this Carolina program. And ultimately, I don't know if we're going to know this, but we if it comes down and we find out that this was a decision, there have been rumors that are saying this was a decision made because. Longo was butting heads with some of the coaches on the defensive side of the football. If that comes out, I I mean, I don't know how you defend that if you're Mac Brown, to be honest with you, because the only way you defend it is you fire the defensive coaches that have sucked for four years. I mean, look, is there is there probably a correlation between the defensive struggles at times and how fast-paced this offense can be. Yeah, of course. If you're putting the defense out there over and over again, you are going to have winded guys at some point. But the problem is is that if you think that is the reason why you are struggling, then I really don't know. I, I do not have I, – I can't really figure out what to tell you. That's Like, a, look in the mirror and realize. That's an excuse and a cop-out to realize that your defensive coaches, your defensive players – aren't getting the job done. Yep. And, and look, this was something I, I proposed in the offseason, that maybe you would see Carolina be more deliberate. If you go back to 2015 when Carolina's offense was very potent and very high-powered, it ran a much more methodical pace. They ran a no-huddle offense, but they would snap the ball 10, 15, 20 seconds on the clock, and it, it allowed Gene Chizik's defense to be more fresh. Well, they were also incredibly run-heavy because of the quarterback that they had in there. Drake May is a little bit of a different type of guy. That doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is is that Phil Longo saw this defense get pushed around by an FCS opponent. Do you not think in the back of his mind he entered every single game? You gave up 40 points in a quarter. In the back of his mind, 
His goal was to score as many points as possible. As it should have been. We said over and over again on this podcast, what was the key that we went to over and over again? Score, score, and score some more. We, we, we thought, and I would imagine that he probably thought as well, look, it is on us to score as much as possible to help our defense out, to give them a cushion. To me, he valued the cushion instead of, the amount of time to take off the clock. Maybe that was the wrong thing to prioritize. Ultimately, I don't. But think I don't it know. Matters. And, and so, look, you, you let that report come out. I will go take a loan out that oh, I would never pay off man. in my lifetime to buy out the defensive coaches and their contracts to get them fired. They I should mean, have already we, been fired. Can we do that already? Like, look, we're, we're at the point now where I think we kind of just realize. I, look, do I think there could be moves made after the bowl game? Yes, because I think that there is a legitimate possibility that the reason why some of these guys are being retained right now is to keep the recruiting class together. And to a certain extent, it's a very smart move. Now, we're going to have to see what kind of ripple effects Phil Longo leaving has on on this recruiting class on the offensive side of things. But defensively, yeah, it's probably smart to hold on to those guys, at least until the early signing period passes, and to make sure that you're still you're still going to keep this class intact. But after that, I mean, if they do, if they don't move off of Tim Cross, I, I just, I, I really don't know. Then, I, I mean, that shows you everything you need to know. And to, to at that point, it would honestly make you wonder: Was this communicated inside of the building? And did Phil Longo just say, you're keeping this same defensive staff in place, we're just running it back? Like, that's madness. And chose to bolt. So, we'll have to see. Now, let's talk about some of the names that have popped up already in terms of the offensive coordinator position. Most popular one, I think, by far, has been... Garrett Riley, who is the offensive coordinator at TCU, um, a guy that you know he he is the brother of Lincoln Riley, and he's someone that is sort of a young up and coming coach. I think the thought with him would be bring him in as your offensive coordinator, team him up with Drake May, and the other pitch that you give him is, hey, we're eventually going to make you the head coach. He's a guy that looks like he's probably trending in that direction as he will be a head coach at some point. Maybe that is your pitch to him at Carolina. What do you think about that? A lot of people, when I brought that name up initially, a lot of people kind of gave me a look of, do you really think that he's a name that should that that would even consider Carolina, but I I don't think it's too crazy. Uh, I mean, you definitely got to consider it given the what that offense did this year. How much of that is Sonny Dykes' influence, though? Sonny Dykes has been a great offensive mind in the college game for fifteen to twenty years. He would not be my first choice. Uh, my first choice, as I said, would be Graham Harrell, the OC at West Virginia, because that was Mac Brown's first choice four years ago. You have a pri- you have a prior established relationship, a prior established connection with him. Um, if you go look at the stats that West Virginia's offenses have put up, maybe not as gaudy as what you want, 
but I think Carolina clearly has a better quarterback, and I think they have better overall offensive talent than West Virginia. And another guy that really comes to mind has got to be Seth Luttrell for a lot of obvious reasons. He's been here before. He's done it before. But we know one of the the weaknesses that Mac Brown has when he comes to filling out a staff is that he he's only comfortable hiring guys that he knows and has a connection and a relationship with. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he probably doesn't have one of those with Seth Luttrell because he didn't broadcast any games of Carolina's, let alone while he was at North Texas. And and so, you know, that's that's going to be the beauty of this thing is that he's going to be able to pretty much send out a filler kind of like or or send out he'll be like on a on a dating app where he's either swiping right or swiping left Dude, on hopefully potential he candidates. has more success than we do yeah hopefully <laughs> um because everyone's gonna want to coach a guy like Drake may but he doesn't need to get caught up in what Garrett Riley did this one year with Max Duggan who's been in college football for what feels like a decade you've got to get the higher right I want someone that is seasoned that's experienced, um, and, and has a proven track record of coaching good offensive football. Yeah, it, with Graham Harrell, the pushback that I would have is that his his you're right, his statistics have not been overly gaudy. I, but you go look at those numbers when he was at USC when he was there with Sarkeesian, numbers weren't bad. Then. I mean, look, I don't think he's a bad option. Um. I think the thing would I where would I put him on the list? First of all, Garrett Riley to me would be pretty close to the top. I know it's one year, but you're talking about how limited was Max Duggan the years before. Remember, he didn't even start the year as their starting quarterback. He just eventually took over the starting job and that offense allowed him to thrive. He's also had success just about everywhere else he has been. So I would have him probably pretty high up there. He's going to be a guy that's going to be coveted by a lot of other schools as well that think ultimately their job is better than TCU's and they're looking for an offensive coordinator. Um, Seth Luttrell, I would have Seth Luttrell ahead of Graham Harrell based on the fact that he has worked with Gene Chizik before. And he knows what Gene Chizik's defenses are going to need from his offenses. I think that would be interesting to see how he works with Drake and with some of the playmakers. I think with the playmakers that you have, his his biggest thing when he was here the first time was he just did he didn't have enough playmakers at times. He really relied on a couple of guys. One of the things that was the da- really the downfall of that 2016 team was you lost Mac Collins, and that that kind of hamstrung you. But with him, I I think you you've seen it work before in Chapel Hill. That's why a lot of people are comfortable with going to that. In terms of the relationship thing, I think you know Michael Co brought this up last night. The fact that he has a relationship with Gene, with Charlton Warren, which, by the way, Charlton Warren, really good example of a guy that Mac Brown did not have a relationship with. He just relied on Gene Chizik having a relationship with him to bring him in. I think you could see a similar thing if Seth Luttrell is being considered. 
There's one name that I haven't seen a lot of people bring up, but I talked I talked with with Michael about this last night. I really think that Carolina should at least attempt to see what Ben Johnson would think. Remember the Detroit Lions coaching staff, I believe is he their I believe he's their offensive coordinator this season. But a former Tar Heel, he was a walk-on quarterback, but still a guy that has connections uh, to to Carolina. So he could be somebody that 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 would be at least interested. Yeah, currently the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. I I, I would to me I would I would make him tell you no, and especially if he's a guy. Let's say that scenario that I just laid out there with Garrett Riley of you come in you're the offensive coordinator but we're giving you the inside track to be the next head coach once Mac Brown steps away I don't think that would be crazy because if you look the thing that's been the most successful for the Detroit Lions this year has been their offense it sure as hell ain't their defense so that would be another name that I think people ultimately have to at least take a look at. You're going to have a really hard time convincing a guy to willingly walk away from the NFL. And that's going to be the struggle. If if, if Detroit wasn't 5 and 7 and they were, you know, 2 and 10, 3 and 9 and he, you know, would probably knew he was going to get fired anyway, this could be a lot more realistic. That's probably not going to happen. The Lions have now worked themselves into where they could finish with a respectable record and set themselves up to be a dark horse to be a playoff team a year ago. And as enticing as Drake May is, that's a step down. And so unless you're offering something with a massive incentive in terms of probably a financial commitment, maybe this is a guy that you give him a a backhanded promise and say – Look, I can groom you to take over, and 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 we try to keep this within the family. Would not advise that, but you know, if, unless you're doing that, that's going to be a really, a really hard sell for him. I love the idea and the premise, but it's very. It's got to be. It's got to be a call, right? You got to at least call him and have him tell I, you now. I, I, I think Mac Brown's got so much good situational awareness that unless in the back of his mind he's willing to commit to maybe grooming him to be the head coach, guys don't leave the NFL for college offensive coordinator positions. It just doesn't happen. Well, they they might if it is a significant – like if it's Alabama, then maybe you do. Because to be honest with you, your salary at Alabama could rival what you make in the NFL. Okay, well, we know our department isn't going to match what he's making. It, as exactly, an NFL. that's the one thing that I think would cons- that that would lead me to believe there is not much of a chance that this can actually happen. Uh, those are the biggest names that come to mind for me. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if there's any other, and there will be other ones that will surface here over probably the next week or so. It also depends on how quickly Carolina is going to move on this. Um, I don't know what the plan is right now for them in terms of an offensive coordinator for the bowl game. If I had to guess, I know Lonnie Galloway has been a an offensive coordinator beforehand, and I, I think that would probably be the person that they would lean towards 
at this point to take over the position, but we'll just have to wait and see. Last thing that I wanted to talk about here, I do have some closing notes that I'll finish the show up with, but what about the departure of Storm Duck. Now, today, Carolina does get back DeAndre Hollins. Um, Not huge. I mean, he only played 12 defensive snaps this year, but him coming back, Carolina needs depth in that room. There's there's no secret here. With Storm Duck, when, when he announced that he was entering the portal yesterday, and it was confirmed today by him on his social media, um, I, it Carolina's depth in that cornerback room became about as thin as you can possibly become. They went from having 10 scholarship players on the roster at corner on Saturday night to five at one point last night. And one of those guys, Tayon Holloway, was a guy who was hurt before the season, came in with an injury, and no guarantee that he would have been able to play in the bowl game, meaning Carolina would have rolled out four guys for the bowl game. And outside of DeAndre Boykins, this unit has a combined 375 snaps the entire season. So it's an inexperienced unit. Where is your concern level right now with that cornerback room? Because I think a lot of people want to say, well, it's a good thing that we got these guys out of there. But I think there is some credence to the fact that you're you're losing a lot of experience. To me, Storm Duck is is a big loss because I thought he took steps in that second half of the year. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that Carolina probably has to reconsider if they go play their bowl game. Because you don't have enough guys to to run out there and 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 play this game in a healthy manner. Well, and, getting Hollins back, I think you might be all right because you do have walk-ons that can that yeah, can you, back you up. Yeah, you don't need walk-ons walking on the field and getting injured. There are a reason why they are walk-on players. It's a death blow. Um, and the biggest question that I have is is you've seen how many defensive backs enter the transfer portal? In three days. Well, it's five just at the cornerback position and Dre alone. Bly is still employed. Yeah. That's telling you something. Or now four, excuse me. So, and and, and so I think that's my biggest frustration is that this isn't – usually you see a mass player exodus after a coach is either fired or leaves for another job. That hasn't happened. These are players telling you that said coach, which is Dre Bly, is not getting the most out of my talent. Storm Duck and 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 Tony Grimes, for as much as they have struggled, there is talent that exists. They can be really good football players. Look at their freshman years. Um, they were both really, really good players, it and they hasn't never developed. Here, the last couple of years, in a large part, because I have told you for three freaking years, and nobody wants to listen because he was a great player and he played in the NFL. And I get all that. That doesn't make a damn. That doesn't mean you're a good coach. He's not a good position coach. And that's evident because you've seen how many guys leave. And so my only hope and prayer out of all of this is that Mac Brown can just be man enough to look Dre Bly in the eyes and tell him, Dre, it's not working. We can keep you involved in a recruiting uh, role within the program because we're going to need you to get us some talent. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to see him coach anymore. 
I I I do, I, do, I do I, not I, want him as the cornerbacks coach. If you have him as some sort of analyst on the sideline, I don't even want him analyzing. I I mean I think that that would be fine because let's be honest, how much do do the analysts even really do at some at sometimes? He's been he's been analyzing the film for four years and hasn't gotten any better. Well, that's because he's that's look, he's a guy that was extremely inexperienced as a coach coming in. He had coached one year at the high school level as a defensive backs coach. That was it. So you were taking a risk on him. I thought early. You saw some good things. You said, okay, there is promise here. But the last two years, these guys have really struggled. And look, do I think it's all because of him that these guys are are, are leaving and that they failed to develop? No, I think it's a combination of things. I think one is, for Storm Duck, it's injuries. For Tony Grimes, I think at times it's, it's reading into the five-star rating. I think... Big part of it is his coaching. I think there's no doubt about that. But the third element is the fact, especially this year, you went from Jay Bateman's scheme to Gene Chizik's scheme. These are guys that maybe ultimately just don't fit what Gene Chizik's scheme is. So that's probably a bit, all of those combined, I think, are what is leading to what is ultimately happening here. But I agree with you. I think, and, and this we, I, we said this earlier. You've got to look in the mirror if you're Mac Brown and say, is this really working with the guys that we have here? Do I do we really think cuz cuz here's my thing. If you're not changing the coaching staff, are you pretty much admitting to yourself that the kids that you're getting aren't good enough? I've tried telling you that you didn't want to listen. Well, no. But I don't think that's the case. I well, I, because I, I, think, I think I think it's a bigger case than what you believe it is? No, I think it's. I think it is so much. Co- coaching is so much more of the issue. I think it's like seventy thirty. I think a seven percent coaching thirty. Look, there's no denying that this roster was overrated and has been overrated. But it's also you can't lie that the that these coaches haven't been able to get the most out of what they've what they've been given to work with, and that's frustrating because what they've been given to work with is a hell of a lot better than any defensive talent. Larry Fedora ever put on a football field. Yeah, I mean, and his, our defenses were just as, if not worse, than a lot of his. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we've had one as bad as Vic Koning's defense, but uh, I, yeah, I, I think. I mean, look, that's the thing that's frustrating. I th- there's a reason that these guys are rated as highly as they are coming out, and I think the other thing, you know, look at the defensive backs that we just talked about. Those guys were were good their freshman year. They showed the potential that they needed their freshman year. But they really haven't grown since. And that is where it starts to point to coaching is the issue more than the talent. Also, to me, it's the sheer number of guys that are four- and five-star prospects. Look at who you're recruiting with in that range. Every other team outside of what, maybe Miami – but even Miami, it's a first-year head coach, so I guess you, you do have to sort of give him time. They've developed that talent. It's, it's, it's put them in contention to make the college football playoff. It's put them in contention to win their conference each year. And look, Carolina was there at a time this year, but we all know that on the defensive side of the football, 
that was just because the offense was carrying them. So, yeah, you do have to take a hard look at this staff. And unfortunately, right now, the focus has to be on what do you do with the offensive staff? How do you, you know, sort of scramble and find guys that fit what you want to do? Not to mention, we talked earlier about Phil Longo finding an offensive coordinator. Got to look a little bit deeper. I don't think we have offensive line coach names that we can just throw out there. But this is now, this is the second straight offseason. You have to find a new offensive line coach. Your offensive lineman will have three coaches in three years. So it, now, unfortunately, because you have waited, you've, ta- you, you've taken this out of your own control, and now you probably have to wait a little bit until you, you, you figure out those other positions before you make moves on the rest of this coaching staff. Yep. So we'll see what Carolina ultimately does. Again, Holiday Bowl for Carolina, December 28th at 8 p.m. on Fox against the Oregon Ducks. Uh, There should be probably some news coming out soon about what exactly the staff is going to look like, what the roster could possibly look like for that game. Carolina, of course, also trying to add some transfers. We'll tell you a little bit more about who Carolina is looking at and uh, also tell you about a decommitment in the 2023 class when we come back on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. The reason why they have all these great ways that you can play with same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. So if you want to bet on maybe even some of the former Tar Heels, how many rushing yards Michael Carter will have in a game for the Jets, you can do it all at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Guys, I've been using it to bet on my favorite team, even though they let me down this past week. The New York Giants, I've been betting on them all season long, and it has worked out well for me. I've been betting heavily on Saquon Barkley. Mike Kafka, can you please help me out and use him a little bit more this week? You can bet on your favorite team, even if it's the Carolina Panthers, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber Two for our recruiting analyst 
Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. Well, we take a look at the transfer portal, and Carolina's lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal, but there is some good news. Carolina is hosting a member, uh, a current player that is in the transfer portal, and a member of the FCS All-American team, a guy that is trying to transfer up from East Tennessee State, cornerback, Elijah Huzzy, uh, who had a tremendous season last year. Six interceptions, 25 pass deflections to go along with 59 total tackles. He will be on campus this weekend taking an official visit. This is a big one for Carolina and uh, a chance to get at least one back combined with DeAndre Hollins coming back to try to add at least to that depth. But this will probably also help them a little bit talent-wise in that room. Also, Carolina has reached out to Virginia Tech uh, cornerback transfer Armani Chapman, uh, his career in Blacksburg, a pretty successful one, 89 total tackles, two interceptions, and 20 pass deflections over a four-year career. He is a graduate transfer, so Carolina uh, would only be able to get him for one season, but uh, definitely a guy I think that Carolina is familiar with and is worth looking into. On the recruiting front, I told you that Carolina did lose a commitment in the 2023 class. That is four-star linebacker. KV on keys, and this one's not shocking at all, to be honest with you. I think we all kind of expected that this was ultimately going to happen at some point. Uh, He was a guy that had been, you know, looking throughout since he was committed, and especially throughout the fall here. Uh, He, you know, took a visit at one point to Auburn, uh, also is still in contact, and and as I understand it, very heavy contact with Penn State. That game, actually, that he went to at Auburn was the game against Penn State. So uh, it looks like, if I had to say, that's probably the place that is pushing for him the hardest at this point. Texas A&M, who was in the recruiting, uh, they actually jumped in right before he was supposed to make his original commitment when he did commit to Carolina. If you remember, uh, he actually did push his uh, commitment back. It was supposed to be on a Friday. He had pushed it back through the weekend to a Monday before committing ultimately to Carolina. They are one, I guess, that you should keep an eye on, but it doesn't feel like they're recruiting him as hard as they once were. But Carolina is out on him. That means that they will focus on a guy from the local area, 2023 three-star linebacker Michael Short out of Mallard Creek High School in Charlotte. He is taking his official visit to Chapel Hill over the weekend. Also joining him on campus will be 2023 three-star running back Jordan Louie out of the state of Georgia. Carolina got in late on him but it looks like they are in good position to potentially land his commitment. That would give Carolina their first running back commit of the class. Uh, It looked like for a while they weren't going to take one, but I think with the issues that they have had with injuries, um, as well as the possibility that they could lose somebody to the transfer portal, Carolina just wants to make sure, cover all their bases, so Jordan Louie is going to be on campus for his official visit as the Tar Heels look to add him to the early signing class. We'll have you covered on that front, as well as everything that happens before then. Guys, it has been an absolutely insane 
last few days, the last five days really since that ACC championship game have been nonstop. The news has been rolling in, and we've got you covered on all these storylines that we just talked about, all of the transfers. They each have articles breaking down at the time of their decision, at least, what the their their transfer, uh, what that decision uh, does to the roster ultimately at their corner at their positions so make sure you go and take a look at those on the website and we of course will have you covered when it comes to the holiday bowl uh on december 28th we'll have a preview of that and a recap of that game before we shut things down for the 2022 season one that started out so great but isn't ending quite the way that we want. Meanwhile, a team that is not starting out the season so great, Tar Heel basketball, off to a 5-4 and four start to the year. Started 5-0, and oh, but now they've lost four straight. They try to get back on track this weekend against Georgia Tech. We will uh, have you covered. Josh will have you covered with the preview and recap of that game, so make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for that, and the hope is that Carolina can get it turned around and potentially finish the season better Then they started the season a reverse of what the football team has done so far. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Torians. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.